0: I am being joined today by a new noise rock project titled So Sure, who are signed to M-Press Records. So Sure can be described as dream pop, shoegaze, post-punk, and influenced by alternative music of the 80s and 90s. Their debut five-song EP, Caffeine Drip, is available via Noise Trade and is also being streamed on Paste Magazine. So Sure has chosen to donate 100% of the proceeds to the ACLU to aid in its urgent advocacy efforts to demand racial justice and end police brutality. The group shared with me in advance that My Bloody Valentine's 1991 record, Loveless, had a very strong influence on the band and their debut record. We'll be weaving in their thoughts on Loveless in and out of our conversation, so enjoy a bit of a twofer of albums today. So without further ado... Let's meet the boys in the band, so sure.
1: Gentlemen, welcome to Cover to Cover. It is so great to have you on the program.
2: Thanks for having us, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, hey, this is great. Cool. So uh, why don't we go around the room, so to speak, and uh, introduce yourselves, you know, tell our audience what instruments you like to play and all that good stuff. And, you know, if you feel like sharing your name, that's cool, too. Sure.
2: Um, I guess I'll start. So I'm Sean Kelly. Uh, I've actually been on the show before. We talked about a Crowded House album. Uh, and uh, and uh, this is kind of the, the new thing that I'm doing with my brother and a friend. And uh, so, yeah, in this particular group, um, I play guitar and bass and synths and kind of what Mellotron and whatever else we decide to throw on, um, particularly on, on this first project. That's what I'm doing. So
3: Right on. Um, I'm Brendan Kelly. I'm Sean's brother. (laughs) Um, I uh, play both the guitars, but also a little bit of bass and synths. Yeah.
4: Um, So, yeah, I'm the only non-family member. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, Kyle Polk, and um, I met these guys playing some other music together, and um, I play drums for this project and do a little bit of programming um i like loud noisy guitar stuff and it just worked out that these guys liked it as well so there you go
1: yeah
4: welcome to the show officially
1: guys um people yeah people out there are probably familiar with another project that two out of the three of you guys are in and that band of course is a fragile tomorrow um in listening to your album, Caffeine Drip, these compositions are quite a bit different from AFT's catalog. Can you share for our listeners the origins of So Sure and you know, perhaps the impetus behind the songs that make up your new EP? Yeah,
2: so the the whole thing started... Well, I, I guess the idea was kind of around um, in my head and Brendan's head for probably the last like couple of years... Um, you know, if you kind of go back to the uh, a record that we made as Bros Tomorrow, like about five or six years ago now, um, there are you know I, I can remember being in the studio and talking about you know about one particular song I can't remember which song it was and and kind of you know referencing shoegaze bands and My Bloody Valentine as sort of a sonic approach to some of what we were doing, um, and so it's, it's always been a common thing with us, um, and I think. Probably a couple of years ago, we sort of talked about, oh, it'd be fun, like, one day to to do something like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, basically what happened was we had, I don't think we had quite st- started the Frazier Tomorrow record that we're working on now. Um, I think we were tar- starting to discuss it with the label. And then we um, sort of knew we were going to be sort of um, dormant for a little bit uh, in terms of, like, shows and stuff. And we, because I, you know, um, I became a dad, uh, it'll be a year in July. Um, so we, we, we wanted to do something, but, you know, not play album shows and do something different to kind of keep things fresh. So we decided to do like these shows in Charleston and Savannah, um, essentially where we would, uh, you know, it was like a three week kind of residency at two different venues and two venues, one in each city, um, and we we just we played 3 albums um one each week uh that um that we loved and uh essentially the drummer that we have in AFT wasn't able to to commit to the residency so Kyle uh is a friend of ours we've known for a long time um i mean probably i, I guess like i remember we probably met playing a uh, a festival i think it was at Owindaugh Green or something in in Allendale, South Carolina probably like ten years ago now or something. I think that's pretty pretty much how long we've we've known you in a in the in that sense of the word. But we've been friends for several years, um, playing with a friend of ours and uh and then when our drummer couldn't do the residency, we kind of like called Kyle and, and asked if he'd do it and, and uh I was like really really delighted that you said yes because um it's like it was like the most daunting like like I I would I would have completely like understood if you said absolutely not I'm not doing this like learning, uh three like you know how many however many songs we ended up learning in the three albums, one by the way being a so band.
4: I have I have a different version of that story. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: so the guys were like as a fragile Tomorrow doing all these records, and they were like, hey, if anyone wants to join in on a song, let me know. And they were oh, like, we're gonna great. do Loveless. And I was like, I would love to play a song on Loveless. And then the next thing I know, they're like, Hey, do you want to play all three albums? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that
2: is that's that's accurate. That's accurate. That's right.
4: Dominoes.
2: (laughs) No, that's right. We we had asked people if they wanted to sit in. That's right. And 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 so it was already announced when I think we realized that our drummer couldn't do it. That's that's what it was. And uh and yeah, so you had you were like, Oh, I want to play something on Loveless because that was one of the albums. Um, and then so we did that show, and uh, I, I believe it was at the Savannah show that we first kind of mentioned to Kyle, like, oh, eventually we'd like to do something um, in this realm, like something shoegazy kind of dream pop kind of thing. Um, and and I think all three of us were sort of like bonded over that kind of idea. Um, and I don't think it was like one of those things where we said – you know, oh, let's do this next year. Or let's talk about this in a few months or something. I think it was, this was, by the way, uh, at end of last year. Um, I, I think it was just sort of like, we'll do it one day or whatever. And then, Brendan, I, I want to say it was like, what, March or something, February or March, when we sort of like, yeah, and I had written a bunch of stuff. Um, by the way, we're all in three different cities. So it was like, you know, Brendan and I would just throw ideas around. We, we have like a, a big folder of just, like little parts and riffs and stuff like that for the specific project whenever it were to have started. Um, And I think, yeah, wasn't it March or whatever that, that when, when, um, when the quarantining and stuff and the lockdown began, um, I I think we were working on the AFT record that we were still working on. And then that kind of stopped because we had, um, you know, half the band in uh, everyone was in different cities. We had half the band who didn't have recording equipment at their houses so we had no way of, like, getting them to Savannah to do anything um, or, you know, going to where they were. Um, so I don't know. I think we had a conversation that just said, like, we were just like, let's just see if we can make something of these ideas. Um, and then I, I want to say we wrote maybe wrote a couple of rough things first and then kind of looped Kyle in, and, um, and kind of asked if he wanted to be a part of it. And then it just sort of went from there. We just kind of worked it out wrote stuff and demoed and then um kind of built everything completely from our houses um and it's completely like completely remote like we didn't we didn't meet up anywhere to do anything bren's in new york um kyle's in charleston and i'm in savannah so uh it was very it was a completely remote thing um and uh and yeah but it was it just came from it's several years i think in the making but really like you know eight or nine months or ten months or whatever um, of I think probably having it in the back of our minds that we, we wanted to do it. And then once the songs kind of came together, I think we realized that like we were kind of onto something and Loveless was really the thing that sort of like set it off, was, like playing that record um, and learning all those songs. Cause I would say, I don't know if you guys would agree. I would say that that particular record um, was probably my favorite out of I mean I, I loved playing London Calling we did London Calling and then we did uh, uh Remain in Light Talking Heads record. Um mm-hmm. those were all really fun in their own ways. London Calling was a, was insane because it's like 19 songs. Um but Loveless was just there was just something about it. I love getting to like you know there's so many open tunings and stuff and I love getting to like really like research that stuff and try to figure out exactly what Kevin Shields was doing and how to best how best to replicate it and stuff. Um, I don't know. Do you, I mean, I would say it was my favorite of the three albums. It was something about the experience. It was, like, really unique.
4: Yeah, I feel like whenever we were doing those songs, um, you know, the, the the Talking Heads record felt like a, like we were covering the record. Um, for sure, the Clash was, like, covering, like, and then when we, we did Loveless, um, I mean, that record is that record. Everybody knows it's, like, Incredible, but there was something about it that just like I don't know how to explain it. It just we like were able to like take on something different and perform it in a way that I don't know. I guess it's probably why this band exists. To be honest, it, it was I would just, say so. We yeah. felt something and and did something with it. I think that was I don't know, just like really felt true to us. So it was it's was definitely my favorite.
1: We are talking remotely to. So Sure right now, I'm cover to cover with Matt Tarka. So Sure is a brand new shoegaze band that is, uh, you could say tri-state, but not necessarily tri-state, you know, from an East Coast point of view. (laughs) One one is in Savannah, one is in Montgomery, New York, the other is in Charleston. Um, Guys, I want to ask you just, you know, not not a very serious question, but, you know, being located in three different towns – do you guys have any quirky superstitions that have kind of come about during your recording process remotely? Are there any, uh, I don't know, foods or beverages that you like to enjoy inside and outside, uh, breaks from the studio? What uh, Do you have any superstitions?
2: Um, in terms of recording, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, these days, like, a lot, a lot of my stuff was sort of done, like, um, you know, after, like, we put our daughter to bed. Um And usually I stay up and and work or whatever. So, like, a lot of my stuff was done at probably around midnight or 1230 uh, in our our computer room, Um, which actually is probably partly why there's a couple of songs, like, you know, besides the the way I wanted to sing the songs, you can probably hear, like, that I'm sort of whispering a lot of the vocals because I really kind of was. Um, But so I don't know. I mean, uh, I drink a lot of coffee, and that actually uh, is part of the – part of the the lyricism within the title track um i drink a lot of coffee at night so pro- maybe that maybe I, I i just drink a lot of coffee um at night time for some reason
3: um i don't know about you guys but that's that would be the only thing that i can think of um for me while we were doing this um my girlfriend was teaching on zoom and we like had to move the computer just because it was a better location uh, to the kitchen table. And so a lot of this record was actually recorded and the whole thing was mixed at my kitchen table. So I do kind of wonder if there's like, you know, something to mixing an album at a kitchen table that oh. um, could, I don't know, could be something there. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
4: Well you, well, you have a hot hand, Brendan. uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have any like superstitions, but I definitely was like building like my remote setup for this record. So like I had never really recorded remotely from home and like done the engineering myself. It it always been like, Okay, there's a team of four guys coming over and you're just gonna play drums at your house and it's gonna be just like recording at a studio except for your your house. So like being behind the dials and um I, I don't know. It just it was a totally different experience. So I, I have a two daughters, and my oldest actually was kind of like hitting the space bar so I didn't have to like run from one side of the room behind the drum kit. So um, it was kind of cool, like for her, because she was still in school, and so like she'd finish up her schoolwork, and then I'd be like, "Hey, you want to make a shoegaze record?"
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so that one was just like a, kind of a cool experience. Definitely not something that any of my family members i mean not even my wife has ever really been in the studio or anything while i've been working so to be able to kind of like share that with my family it was really cool i mean they definitely heard the record being made um quite literally (laughs) while they were making dinner and playing outside so i think that's kind of a cool element that's awesome we're talking with the band so sure here on cover to cover with
1: matt tarka we are going to be delving in just a little bit into My Bloody Valentine's 1991 record called Loveless, which was released initially on creation and in the U.S. on Fire Records. And, um, guys, I want to talk about, you know, caffeine drip and what songs off of Loveless informed your creative approaches and decisions. And, uh, Brendan, I want to call on you here for a second because I know you're a little bit of a gearhead. And, uh, you know, for all of these gearheads that might be listening out there, what kind of pedals did you tend to, um, to lean towards during the process? And, you know, were there any songs in particular from My Bloody Valentine that, I, I guess, what am I trying to say here, informed your approach to your instrument?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like, when we when we had learned Loveless um, for those shows, like the biggest thing for me, like the parts aren't necessarily too hard to play, but like trying to recreate those sounds was such like a thing to take on. Um, And like, so I really had to do a lot of research Um, and yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, reverse reverbs into fuzzes and heavy compression. Um, And yeah, I don't know Kevin Shields just has such an, like a unique uh take on effects and i mean really like revolutionized kind of guitar effects to the point where i mean there are like thousands of people to this day who are still like trying to figure out how we did all these things um so yeah i mean like so that was definitely hugely influential and then when we started um writing this stuff i just started like I think all that stuff was baked into my mind and like, it was sort of, I was, I was trying to actively avoid just copying the sounds from Loveless. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, songs like coming alone and only shallow, like, yeah. Uh, the fuzz sounds on those were, I think particularly on like our song further down. Um in the choruses and banging the drums so slowly. Um, There's a lot of that in there. Um, Let's talk about only
1: shallow here. Um, Yeah. When I I first heard this tune, guys, it sounded like an angry rowboat, you know, and then, you know, (laughs) compounding that with, like, those really cool, like, shimmering vocals that, you know, that we know from My Bloody Valentine with some of their punchy snare cracks, you know, that are filling up really nice spaces in the background. Um what what do you like about only shallow as a group? Um you know, it's that's like the
2: maybe the um the flagship like shoegazing song. Um in my opinion it's it's it certainly is or it's, def- or it's definitely in a very small group of of songs that you'd probably point towards um if you were like trying to point to like what this quote-unquote genre is. Um, you know, and I would say, like, for us, the whole idea with this project is not to necessarily, like, you know, carbon copy any of this stuff, but it's, like, you know, it's to sort of take these influences that are are all there and sort of, like, find our own stamp and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, which is why I think, I think that comes across on the EP. But, like, this song would have been one of the ones that, um, would have definitely been like a, like a blueprint, like a, you know, like sort of this like the template um, or at least, at least for me, like I, there's certain elements um, of it that sort of scream, like, you know, if you're going to go anywhere in the shoegaze realm, this, this, you know, use this as, as sort of a compass um, because the other thing is that shoegaze can, can encompass all these different things. It's not always, you know, hazy and, and overwhelming and fuzzy, Um, but this is, if you're going to go on that side of it, this is probably like a really good example of of one of those songs. And, um, the big thing for, for me personally on this song that like is, is so like,
3: excuse
2: me, astounding is like, uh, it's just sort of, it's so pummeling the way that it kind of enters with just that, that little snare fill that, that intros the song. And then it's just it's just kind of like a one-two punch. And the, and the crazy thing about M D V is that it's not like you know it's this like constantly heavy like it, there's no screaming and it's like, like it's it's like a heavy heavy like intense music kind of experience, mm-hmm. but it's not like it like is is like a completely in your face kind of song. It's like the guitars are but the vocals are very understated. And I think that's like a very, um, you know, like that's a very signature kind of shoegazing thing. Um, that is so like, that was the big, I don't remember the first time that I, I heard this record. I mean, it must've been, Brandon and I probably got, probably got into it at the same time. I would imagine it was probably, I must've been seven, 16 or 17 or something, maybe the first time I heard it. Um, and, and, and I just, I just remember that being the pull, like, those, you know, that that snare fill that, that that intros the song, and then just the complete like that angular um, lead riff over those chords, and and just the very the you know when the windy tremolo guitars and stuff, um, and then the choruses are very kind of spare though, and that's the other thing about it that's so like remarkable is that, and Brendan actually pointed this out to me one time, like, you know, your instinct with with shoegazes to kind of like fill it all up. But I think this is a good example of like in those verses, especially it's pretty sparse. There's not a whole lot going on, um, but it's the, it's the air and the reverb and all the things like that. They're that filling in, um, you know, you know, filling in spaces and holes and stuff like that. Um, but it's not like it's this intense watch <clears throat> of craziness all the time. And I love that about this song. I think it's like it kind of encompasses every element of what, you know, people love about this music. That so that would be my my takeaway from
1: it. Nice, Brent, Brennan, You mentioned too, uh, come in alone, and uh, yeah, it feels like the Beatles is day. You know, it's it's my bloody Valentine's day in the life by the Beatles. Yeah, in some, in some respects. That's,
3: yeah, totally, definitely. Mm.
2: Yeah, I I I I'm I'm trying like so that one like. Play, actually, playing that one might have been my favorite. Um, there was just something about the, like, really kind of low to mid-tempo kind of, um, you know, heaviness of it that was really fun. Um, and it is sort of like, you know, it, it's kind of their, their the, 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 there's something that, in terms of, like, a pop song that's, that's very, uh, kind of earwormy about it and, and kind of clever um even though all their songs are pretty cyclical i would say um but yeah that's a, that's a really good observation because i think that kind of works really well like if if there was one that is sort of like the the maybe the um the the real like composition kind of um sound feeling song and probably would be that one yeah
1: yeah, I mean, did Coming Alone, are, are there any particular tracks on Caffeine Drip where um, that one was highly influential? Or was this just one of those tunes that, you know, you love and it just kind of found its way into your creative process?
3: Um, I would say there's a little bit of Coming Alone on uh, further down. Um, I would just say so. the way that it was. Yeah, there's there's something just like I don't know, like the the choruses and the intro of "Coming Alone" are, are just like just so massive sounding, um, and I think that was like that was just kind of what the approach was for further down. Um, and yeah, yeah I so, think like you
2: know what, like like I'm thinking about it now, and 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 I do remember like because we we talked about this a good bit, and I remember. When we were the three of us were messaging back and forth about like that song, and what it should feel like, I I referenced this idea in my head. The way that I ha- I felt the song kind of happening was that I almost wanted the choruses to feel like a free fall, um, and just feel very like intense, but sort of like, um, you know, like really like weightless, but like really intense, and and um, and I think that's actually. That might have been a song that I thought of as well, like in that in that regard, because it just has that sort of like um, that vibe to it. And and I, I have to say, like on our song further down, Kyle did like an incredible job. Um, it really like encompassing that vibe, because that was like something that was like for me personally. Like I didn't know how it was going to get there, but that was what I what I felt from that song. It just needed to have a certain um, in, like, like intensity and, and rush to it, um, just the way that it felt. And I think, like, I think that, you know, what Kyle worked out on drums just sort of, like, made that all happen in those choruses. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I definitely was pulling some, a lot of Loveless when we were doing these with tra- the tracking for the drums. Cause the thing about, like, we were talking about Only Shallow earlier, you know, for me, Only Shallow was kind of like a trailer for, loveless like you're you're getting a great feel of like okay this is going to be a really heavy intense record this is going to be a really emotional record there's going to be you know some somber moments like it's just kind of like everything's there and um trying to create like that (laughs) three-dimensionality in such a short amount of time is is just you know applaudable for sure so um, I don't know, when I was approaching a lot of these tracks, one of the things I noticed is a lot of the songs, especially on Loveless, they have almost like a little bit of a, a bouncier feel than you would think, almost like swung at times. So the drums are kind of playful, um, like with the tambourine parts, they almost sound like like drum loops at times. And then the choruses will like straighten out just a smidge and then feel really driving. And that was kind of a, a little bit of my take on further down, kinda of based on some of those text messages, just kinda of having that floppy feel of where it kind of bounces a little bit and then just playing it a little bit straighter and more forcefully on the choruses and that's definitely a, a mod pretty valentine trick <laughs> if there Kyle, is one.
1: Yeah, Kyle, when you were in the studio, is there a certain technique that you use to, to dampen your drums a certain way, depending on the vibe of a song? Um I just would love to know your recording process. Whether you're in a studio, a home studio, wh- what did that um what did that experience look like for you?
4: Um, I don't know. I I, I try not to get like too artsy fartsy about it, but um, it's kind of like if you're trying to make a painting or something. You know, you have your traditional tools to do it, but it comes to a point of like, how does it sound through the monitors and regardless of if the drum's wide-opening and there's no, like, dampening at all on it or if you've got, like, you know, a stuffed animal taped to the bottom of it, you know, whatever <laughs> it takes yeah, yeah. to get what sound you want to hear. Um, so, I don't know. I, in studios before, um, I've recorded records, you know, with a Rocko's Modern Life T-shirt on the snare drum and everyone's been like, this is weird, but it sounds great, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't really recall using a lot of um dampening on on the caffeine drip EP but we definitely um kind of experimented with some different tunings just because like the first couple songs are slower and we wanted the drums to fill up more space so they're a little looser and um pillowy, I think is a word that Brendan kept saying, like, oh I like this pillowy sound as a kick drum. And then like on a song like Cookstown, like it's a little quicker. So we kind of uh, tighten some of those things up and I don't know, it sounds kind of silly as I say it out loud, but that, that's the yeah. approach that we took. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I have something to add and, and I feel like if I'm listening to a podcast about my bloody Valentine, I really want to talk about sometimes. And I really, oh, yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, I just want to like talk about that song for just a few minutes. Brendan, some songs sometimes,
3: okay. um oh God, where to start
4: um,
2: well, that was one I remember when we played it, um you know we had we had debated like how we were gonna do it, um because mm-hmm. it's like the only acoustic guitar on the on that record, I think, um one of them one of, yeah, one of the only om- like maybe yeah, there might be like one or two other songs where there's maybe a small part or something, but like the the acoustic is sort of in that thing it it really is like it really is the percussion in that song um essentially and uh we had debated not doing that just for the for like the sake of you know not having to change a
3: billion guitars
2: but uh i don't i just don't think it could have been done because there's something about that like the vibe of that um that just it, it needs that like that rhythm and the way that that sort of happens um it just it's like very necessary to that song um And it's one of those, it's like a weird example of like, you know, how important one element that you may not think is that important is to a song. Um, And I feel like the acoustic in that song is, is as important as anything else that happens um, in that song. But yeah, um, I actually, Kyle, I remember that being like a song that you particularly were like really, really, really like excited about playing and, 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 uh because i think it was like per kind of major particularly emotional if i remember correctly
4: um, yeah i mean like that was my entry point like that was the only reason i was going to do it to just play that song <laughs> and then i i guess became part of the the band that played the entire record and now this band but um i don't know i think that song was kind of like my entry point into where we are now um it definitely like gripped me in a way that I don't know, it's just so sad and so beautiful. like
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Which are, like, my favorite things within music. And I, I wanted to play guitar on that song, but I wanted to be, like, I don't know, like, two blocks down playing <laughs> just, like, really loud, obnoxious, bendy guitar, which is, like, the way I feel about that whole record. You know, it's just these things that maybe shouldn't be considered music that somehow or another, like formed into a tool that, like, seems beautiful, and, and you just hear it differently, and I don't know, like, I I love that song so much, and I can oh, yeah. listen to, you know, 12-year-olds and, you know, 50-year-olds on YouTube cover it all day long. I think it's <laughs> amazing, and I just was really stoked that we got to be able to do that, and, like, I know at one point, just pulling apart the logistics of it, Brendan had mentioned that, like, sometimes, like, appears in another song. Is that is that right, Brendan?
3: Yeah, I stumbled on this thing where somebody had actually like reversed the entire album, um, <laughs> and I was actually I was listening to it. It's kind of it's, it's on YouTube. It's pretty fun to listen to, and I discovered that the reverse guitar in the outro of Only Shallow is actually the main fuzz guitar from sometimes pitched up and reversed. I love um, that, which is so cool. Amazing. Um,
0: I Yeah, love that that's so the song much.
3: is so great. It's just so like, heavy and delicate all at once. Yeah, um, that's like
2: yeah, that's a good example of that kind of yeah, like that very like and an really intensely heavy, but like very understated sort of thing. Delicate's a good word to describe it. Yeah, I love that song. That was a, a fun one to play.
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's so true to kind of like life, life experience. You know, you guys have like a memory. And it doesn't always come out, like, the exact way it happened. It's, like, kind of colored or filtered or whatever. And to, like, to play only shallow and it be so heavy and, like, be covered in sweat or whatever. And then to play, like, basically sometimes in reverse. It's just, like, kind of like a foreshadowing of something to come. I don't know. I just get, like, I get super artsy-fartsy about that kind of stuff. And <laughs> man, that, that was just, like, a really, really cool thing to be a part of.
2: Yeah, it was a beautiful beautiful moment in, on that record and, and definitely like a,
1: a a cool, like beautiful moment in, in the show for sure. Let's switch gears a little bit here and uh talk about Cookstown Mary. Is this uh, is this potentially autobiographical Cookstown Mary or is this uh, a name so, to protect the innocent?
2: Well so it's uh it's written about Typhoid Mary. Um oh, yeah. who uh you know, obviously that was coming up a lot in the in on, you know, historical news stories and stuff like that, kind of referencing, you know, the pandemic. Um, and I was reading about Typhoid Mary and, and uh, realized that she's from Cookstown, County Tyrone, Ireland, which is where um, our father's mother's family is from. We've been to Cookstown. Like, our cousin lives in Cookstown. And so it was, like, reading about that story, that whole story um, and this woman being quarantined and stuff like that for you know typhoid fever or whatever, and um, and giving it and sort of being like kind of there was like a weird criminal bent to it because she sort of like knew she had it and would like skip town and 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 work for people I, I think as a as a cook and um, and just give it to all these families kind of knowing that she was sick. So it's, it's a big like um, you know sort of like scandalous sort of historical thing. And uh, and I was just reading about it, fascinated by it, and then hearing that she was from Cookstown, which is a it's literally, like, a direct line to our family. It's just kind of, like, I felt really connected to it. So I sort of wrote it from her perspective of, like, you know, is she a villain or is she an antihero kind of, like, thing. And um, so I actually referenced uh, a couple of lines from a letter that she had written um, while she was quarantined um, before she died. uh literally in she was died in isolation when she was in there for like years um and yeah so it's 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 historical it's not at all not at all autobiographical it just it was i just thought it felt like a, a good sort of snapshot of like you know something that was relevant to what was going on and and um you know i'd kind of fallen down that rabbit hole a little bit researching so it was kind of weighed in my brain um and so yeah that's where that one came from
1: very interesting, yeah. We're we're talking with the band So Sure, uh, cover to cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about their debut record, Caffeine Drip, and what has informed Caffeine Drip, which is my Bloody Valentine's 1991 record, Loveless. Um, guys, what other tracks would you like to discuss that have informed your debut record? Um,
2: so I was sort of listening back over to Loveless earlier Um, and there's, I don't know, there's a couple that, uh, that I, I, I've always sort of really been drawn to. And I, I think, um, Soon is probably maybe my favorite song on that record. Um, and I would bring that up as a specific influence on this project because, um, of a couple of things, but primarily the sort of drum, that drum machine loop thing, um, that sort of intros the song uh, and, and just the whole vibe of it um, because it's, mm-hmm. it's not like super heavy and like brutally heavy. It's just sort of hazy and washy, which is maybe the whole, you know, if, if you were to like sort of categorize our specific brand of shoegaze or dream pop, I think it would be that. Like there are other songs like, um, like blown a wish or something um, that sort of is more in the talk two twins, like dream pop side of things and that was another um, influence on on our project Uh, but soon is sort of like a weird combination of everything Um, and the the drum machine stuff was another thing that like you know we always talked about sort of that being an element to this band Um, and uh, you know and I think about like um, particularly well the the title track Caffeine Drip has that you know really really like earwormy Um, drum machine that sort of runs through um, the first verse Uh, and and I would say like just the whole idea of um, drum machines kind of running through stuff on this project probably comes from a song like Soon Um, and also like I remember us talking about this and Kyle you had said at one point like your approach to to drums you kind of wanted to sort of um, aside you know from well probably in tandem with being like a little bit and and um kind of having a little bit of a groove to it um there's also something about like a lot of these shoegaze bands the the drums aren't very like flashy or like you know that sort of thing they're very much like cyclical like a drum machine sort of so that was sort of an approach too and um i would reference soon as sort of a, a good example of a, a, a specific reference on this project i don't know about you guys but that would be one that i i I think uh, I thought about a lot
4: when we were doing this project.
2: Yeah, definitely.
4: Yeah. I remember playing that song live. So we had a similar experience with playing Loveless for the first time live that we're going to have with playing this project live and the <laughs> fact that it never happened until it happened. <laughs> so when we played uh, the first time through, it was like, okay, this is what this band, this is what this album sounds like when well, we play it, because we'd only rehearsed it on our own. And and soon was like, okay, we finished this record, we've got all this behind us, and there was just a certain, um, I don't know, just like being part of something that was like really great, like kind of like I don't know, like I guess what people feel when they sing a church song. It's like, okay, this is a hymn, it's been there forever. I feel like I'm part of something established. And it just felt like hey we're we're actually doing this, you know, like we have it completely just fallen off the rails, and um I don't know there there's a couple of videos from that night, and like every time I listen back on it, it's always like wow, that was really that was really fun, and like, I think soon especially just came together in a in a very special way.
1: We are talking with the band, so sure, here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all about my bloody Valentine's. Loveless and So Sure's debut EP, which you should pick up on Noise Trade. And that record is called Caffeine Drips. Uh, guys, I'd like to uh, switch gears and talk about lyrics uh, for a little bit. Um, Sean, I, I my understanding is you're the principal lyricist in the group. And yeah. uh, I was wondering um, if, you know, any of the lyrical material that you're writing for uh so sure was informed directly by uh this offering from My Bloody Valentine or just completely just kind of separate lyrical ideas that you had for for the group
2: well so the interesting thing about Loveless um and I learned this uh learning the vocals is that if you look up lyrics for any of these songs i don't think you're going to find the same uh the same words like twice uh, maybe you know a few lines here and there, but like for the most part, the vocal is so um, buried and so like like uh, almost n- unpronounced. Um, and and really, it's mostly that it's that it's buried in in, in the mix um, that you really can't really understand what they're saying. <laughs> um, and and that you know also is the case with like Cocktoo Twins, like another band. Although I think they maybe sort of had their like kind of Sigur Ross kind of uh, making up a, their own language sort of thing would be like a little bit of that but yeah, um, yeah. but Loveless is very much like a you know there are words to it um, but I don't know that they're the primary uh, draw I, I think the vocals are sort of just like, a, like you know sort of like it's all about kind of how the melody is weaving in with the music and I think the lyrics are just the vehicle to getting the melody there um, and so like yeah. On the EP, I definitely wanted because I like to write about things. I don't, you know, I I don't really write so vaguely that I think I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not like throwing out a bunch of stuff and and kind of improvising. Um, not that like they did on Loveless because they they didn't I don't think. But um, you know, some of the. Lyric on, on loveless, I think are, it might be fair to say a little, are a little nonsensical or maybe just abstract enough to be sort of like just kind of abstract poetry kind of stuff. Um, so I wanted there to be an element of that, but also I, I wanted to write about things. I, I write a lot about politics, um, and this whole EP is like very political in some sense or another. Um, but I did want there to be an element of you know, the vocals being a bit more understated and not being the main event, like, or the vo you know, the lyrics not being the main event um, and also the vocal, because, you know, Brent and I have been in a band for 16 years now that where the vocals are sort of the thing. Um, and Kyle was also in a, in a band as well for years where the vocal was sort of the central thing. Um, and so, you know, I, stepping away from that was sort of like a big desire for me Um, because I I just wanted to, like, sing, you know, within the song, Um, and so, like, Loveless was definitely the primary influence in that regard. Um, Lyrically, I was, I was sort of trying to, like, you know, figure out how to weave my own sort of melodic sensibilities into the, to this particular style of music that we're trying to create, Um, so, you know, lyrically it really was at, at, at the end of the day, which it always kind of is, it's more about, you know, what what sings well and what sounds good um, as opposed to like, you know, making every single line, um, you know, like connect to each other and feel like a story. A lot of the stuff that I write is, is kind of like thoughts about something. It's not like there's not a beginning, middle, end kind of thing or anything like that. Um, so, you know, I think that was separate, but the idea of the lyrics being kind of taking a back seat and the vocal taking a back seat definitely came from Loveless. Also came from, you know, bands like Slow Dive and Ride and stuff like that. Um, you know, less so Swerve Driver. I think their vocals are a little more out front. Um, but, you know, we'll cock two twins and stuff like that. But um, particularly like Loveless and MBV were sort of the, the, you know, my my compass for that sort of stuff. Um, and a lot of it had to do with phrasing, too, because I wanted there to be less words and more elongated phrasing, because to me that's sort of a, you know, that's what I want to hear when I hear this kind of stuff. I don't want to hear a bunch of words packed into a thing, because if you're trying to make the vocal kind of sit back a little bit, there's no point in cramming a bunch of words in or else it's just going to be that, that much harder to figure out what, Someone's saying, and then you're going to want to listen for that more, and that's kind of not the point. So, you know, Love is kind of is the perfect album where that that balance is is struck, um, and so that you know it was a huge influence um, lyrically in the sense that I know what I wanted to do, not particularly subject matter wise, but um, just knowing what I wanted to accomplish with lyrics and melody in a project like this. Um, it's it was probably the biggest influence in that in that way.
1: You mentioned the phrase elongated phrasing, and I wanted to kind of extrapolate on that a little bit, because when I think of something that's elongated, I think of something that also drips, and the name of your EP is Caffeine Drip. W- was, that a, was that a conscious um, decision? Were you thinking about the way that you were phrasing um, very, various lyrics within the constructs of your songs, or did you decide to kind of take that term, Caffeine Drip, you know, as a title track, also title it as the EP, and it was kind of, you know, uh, uh, significant based on, you know, some of the lyrical content and the needing to constantly be aware and engaged.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's kind of both. Um, so it definitely, that song particularly was, was came from conversations that I had with Brendan when we were sort of demoing in the early Stage of that cuz that song musically is entirely Brendan um he wrote everything um he played most of the guitars and and the bass um and sent it to me and I and and, and arranged it and I wrote just lyrics on top of it um and and so when it came to that it was like that was kind of, kind of my only job like i had no arrangement you know input whatsoever on that one and, um so i wanted to really like sit down and kind of accomplish that what what we're talking about um and and so yeah the whole idea was to elongate and sort of kind of dip things down and and that sort of thing and and kind of search for um phrasing that kind of worked within that idea um so that was definitely conscious and then the the title i would say less so but i i do think that um and i don't remember how the title of the song came into my head i think because, you know, the line the line in the chorus, um, you know, referencing caffeine um, sort of was a thing. And I remember thinking about my need for caffeine at, at night to like for some reason have this adverse effect on me where it was helping me stay awake. Um or it was helping me uh or hel- helped me stay awake by helping me, um what's the right word? Like calm me down, right? Like uh, you know, Soothe anxieties and things like that, like rather than like make me jittery and stuff, um, and and so the idea of like being on a caffeine drip, almost like a you know like a morphine drip or something, was sort of where that came from, um, and uh, and that was just like an image that was sort of stuck in my head. But it did have, it it was sort of connected to the to the um, the idea of the process with the with phrasing and with the vocals and stuff. It sort of worked uh hand in hand like it was sort of a, a twofer conceptually um and then the way that it kind of became the title of the project was it just sort of felt right um i i had sort of suggested it and i think everybody said yeah that sounds cool and <laughs> it was, that was pretty much that simple um you know i i i thought of like you know should we title it something about being in isolation or quarantine or something um because it was like written and recorded entirely in this new normal that we're living in. But I think that was pretty much mixed early on because I think that would have time-stamped it a little bit. Um, and we, you know, I, I know I really didn't want to do that. Um, so I, something about calling it caffeine drip just sort of like seems to make sense. And it kind of had a, a hook to it. And so it's, it's worked out on all fronts, I think, but that's, yeah, that's where the, the inspiration kind of came from is sort of both the lyricism approach to phrasing. And then also the, you know, just the image I had in my mind of why, you know, I sort of analyzing that part of my anxiety and why I would drink coffee to to (laughs) stay uh, calm.
1: We are, we're talking with the band so sure here on cover to cover and uh guys i'd like to close our conversation with a question i like to bring up you know at the close of every episode and that is something about cover art and it's always supporting music whether it's digital or physical media and um as we're talking about uh caffeine drip we're also of course talking about my bloody valentine's loveless and i was wondering if there was if this was also a source of inspiration um behind the band as well um and just the various uh you know just the various textures that appear on on loveless i i really enjoy the cover on caffeine drip it appears to be a uh, almost like a, a ballerina in the middle of a meadow it's really cool what um what could you tell our listeners about uh, your choice of cover art
3: yeah um i had just kind of been like looking around in like public domain libraries, um, for something that grabbed me, um, just because, you know, we didn't really have an idea of like what could be cool on the cover. And we obviously couldn't get together to like take a picture of, not that we'd necessarily want us on the cover anyway, but, um, and I had stumbled across that photo and just something about it, um, really jumped out at me. Um, and then I actually like the Loveless cover is actually sort of, like visually sort of influential because there's like the way that cover, I don't know, like, uh, it's just like, it really represents the sound of that record a lot. Um, and there's something, it looks so psychedelic. Um, and it really just matches the, the sonics, um, and I kind of wanted to pull from that. So I started playing around with different filtering and um, just this idea of these sort of like colors kind of smearing together. Um, and yeah, it just it ended up working out really well with that photo. Um, and yeah. I mean, I, have, I I don't,
2: yeah, I don't know if I have anything to add to that because um, the artwork was kind of all Bren. Um, you know, when we sort of sent the idea to Kyle, he, uh, had a lot of really good points about you know how we should be colorizing it and that sort of thing and i think uh yeah. his suggestions really it really elevated that um yep. to me it just sort of felt right like you know that is and that's always been a thing for me like i want the cover art to like um feel like it 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 kind of encompasses what you're hearing sonically and i think you and i talked about that matt um with with the crowded house record that we talked about like that being one of the Elements that sort of always has intrigued me with their records, um, yeah. and and Lovelace would be definitely the, the like the same thing. Um, it just sort of feels like it works. Like you know you, you're get the, even just you know just the color of that record just mm-hmm. feels like the color of the music sonically from from a sonic standpoint. Um, so yeah, that was definitely the whole goal, and that's all. I mean, you know, from day one with this project, like the whole idea was to sort of like, you know, every element to kind of be in enough control of it to where, you know, we could really dictate, you know, how it's supposed, how it's supposed to be presented. Um, you know, obviously everyone's going to feel differently when they hear the music and have and different associations. But like, you know, when, when you see a record or you see like, you know, the colors of an album or something like that, you're, it's going to evoke a, and then you listen to it. It's going to evoke a thing, and, and you want it to work together. So um, that's has been a main goal of this project from like from literally from the the second it really kind of was in motion.
1: Yeah. Sean Kelly, Brendan Kelly, Kyle Polk. They are a trio that comprises a new band, a shoegaze band called So Sure. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Talking about your debut EP and, and uh ways in which uh, my bloody Valentine's Loveless has uh, informed uh this uh this sound that is um rattling my speakers and hopefully thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of other people's, you know, <laughs> over over the next uh months and years to come. Thank you, uh thanks so much for being here, guys. Thank you for having thank you. us, man. Yeah, it's really so much. fun.
2: Um yeah, this is like I, I would just add like you know it's really important to us that uh that people donate to the ACLU but not just the ACLU like anything you know there's uh, so many organizations out there right now um that are doing in, incredible work to you know combat injustice like in this country and um you know just the black lives matter movement in, in general um and but the ACLU is just one that's been really at the forefront for decades and decades and decades and um you know, it was important to us. So I, that, uh, from that standpoint, I hope that people, um, down, download it. Um, and also, you know, if, if you're into the music, then that's, that's great too. Cause I, you know, I do think that this, like I, it's, I'm comfortable saying that this isn't, isn't the last, uh, from this band. And, and I'm really excited about the future of it. And we, you know, Kyle's adding, uh, musical ideas to the, to the folder now. <laughs> so there's a whole like world, I think that's going to open up, um, for this project. But, uh, this is a good starting point, and it's. I'm glad that we can use this starting point to, like, you know, potentially, hopefully, you know, raise a couple of bucks to, to do something really, really important. So on that level, I hope people um, go check it out and, and, and download it.
1: Awesome. The name of the EP is called Caffeine Drip. Thank you so very much, guys. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to catching up with you down the road. Yeah, man. Thanks so
3: much. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank cool. you. All right my special thanks to so sure for taking some time to stop by today for all of you listeners out there thank you very much and please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast whether it's google play stitcher apple or wherever you get your podcasts Take a moment to tell your friends and your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in search results. And uh, feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song. And shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. <music>